call it. Call it, yes. For what? Just call it. Welcome to episode 102 of Call It Friendo, the podcast where usually two friends watch two films decided by the flip of a coin. This week, myself, Andy J. Ritchie, and my co-host, Danica Tiernan, watched the debut film from Scottish director Charlotte Wells, After Sun. We also discussed the nominations for the 95th Academy Awards. As always, the podcast contains spoilers for the film right from the start. We also spoil Tar and All Quiet on the Western Front in the What We've Been Watching section. Check out JustWatch.com for streaming and rental options in your region. You can find us on Instagram at Podcast. Drop us a line there for any feedback or recommendations. Peace. Live as fuck and twice as ugly. Speak for yourself. What are you, 1.5? Yes, 1.75 times as ugly. I'm much uglier than I was last week because I've got I've got the lurgy as a Protestants I can say it. when they're in secondary school. They say, "Oh, you've, they? Got, you've got lurgy." I don't know. There was a prod. Is that that a Protestant came. thing to say? I don't know. I you know I kind of equate Protestantism in English. And to be fair, this was a young English kid that moved over to be to live in a rough part of a small Irish town. So it's quite possible he had Irish connections. Maybe he was just from Lurgan. Maybe he was from Lurgan. Is that a place? That's where the lurgy comes from. Yeah, I believe it's in Norn, Ireland. Are you for real? Where Lurgy comes from? What is Lurgy? <laughs> I don't fucking know what you're talking about, but Lurgan is a place. Okay, but you're talking about... Oh, Lur- Lurgan is a place on earth. <laughs> um, I believe the song goes, in Protestant circles. Lurgy, Lurgy, hold on. I'm going to look up... Isn't it from Star Trek? Is it? I have no idea. Well, it's a Radiohead song from their, uh, their least Lurgy's album. a song... Well, the first one. Yeah. In your face, Thom York. Thoms. Yeah, Thom York. Um, yeah, I, I don't think Radiohead have been interesting in a while now, to be honest. I'm sorry. I said I'm sorry, and I didn't think much of The Smile either. I don't even know what that is. The Smile. In other it, news. Yeah, okay. It's a band with uh, Tom York and Nigel Godrick and um, oh, I Johnny, like Johnny Greenwood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Lur- Lurgy meaning. So you want to know what Lurgy means? Not really, but go ahead. It's an illness or ailment. (laughs) (laughs) Good job. That was a a well well worth it uh, little detour there. That's podcasting, baby. Have you had a good week, Andrew? I have, yeah. I've changed uh, towns. I'm not even going to say cities because I haven't gauged whether these, if there are cities in Montenegro or not, I don't know. They look like large towns. Has it ever dawned on you at all that a British man changing addresses twice in two months in Montenegro is suspicious? To you? I mean, it's one of those suspicious countries, isn't it? Is it? I think it's fine. It's a nice place. Like, if somebody said to you, uh, oh, no, I My have My aunt to... lives in Montenegro. <laughs> she says it's quite nice. Um, or if somebody said to you, like, oh, no, no, I can't go to Montenegro at the moment, you'd think, oh, why not? <laughs> I would think they've got other things to do. I think they have a busy schedule. Oh, really? I would think they're in, they're into hacking or in business with the Tate brothers or something. Listen, just because I do cyber hacking for the Tate brothers has got <laughs> nothing to do with me being in Montenegro. Have you ever watched anything by Andrew Tate? I have not. I listened to a podcast one time with him. I think it was uh, old Timmy Dillon's podcast. And, oh, yeah. was he on that? Yeah, I listened to about 20 minutes and I thought, you know what? This guy's not actually, he's not all it's cracked up to be. 
Well, he I think he's quite. Fu- I thought he was pretty funny, um, but then like like it's because it's quite clear he's like a wrestler almost. It's just a a big silly thing. Do you know what I mean? Well, maybe he should stop doing Andy Kaufman's and wrestling ladies because I think he might end up in a Romanian prison for a long time. Yeah, that's looking like it. Like, yeah, yeah, because apparently he's a human trafficker also. And then there's people going. Um, it's it's very funny. I've been writing a, an essay. This is uh, this might go out to all uh, all you podcast fans out there i've been um, writing an essay about how um, sick i am of uh, just all podcast culture in general but at the same time i find it entertaining to poke my head in every now and again sure and we're adding to it right now we are yeah yeah but we're making people look for andrew tate don't look for andrew tate it's just silly it's just silly nonsense logan paul's a bitch that kind of thing it's just silly but i did watch jordan peterson on joe rogan god that man is demented (laughs) he's so demented but anyway okay yeah, yeah, that's. I cool. don't have any opinions on any of that. I don't actually like any of all that stuff, and I think it's bad. Yeah, me too. That's my opinion, and that's... you can quote me on that. I will quote you on that. <laughs> Dude, please say Andy says it's bad. Andy says it's all bad, actually. Yeah, it's all bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, uh, what are you all watching that, stuff on? Uh, you're watching on a 4K laptop, right? Well, now I've done a. I here I've got a mad setup. I'm. Well, it's not that mad. Uh, I'm streaming, I'm using Plex, and basically I'm streaming uh, from my laptop to my PS5 and then watching it on my little monitor, portable monitor. Yeah, okay. It's great, because uh, I don't like watching stuff on a laptop. Yes, I agree. It's fucking, it's all fans. Yes. It's whirring. Yeah, and it's don't just, like it. it's like, it's just something about the setup makes you feel like, should I be wanking right now? <laughs> that's exactly the biggest problem and i ask myself that question at least 30 times a yeah. day <laughs> that's why i can't go near, go to montenegro <laughs> yeah that's why you're banned hey you see because it's a that that joke would not work with italy people would go what, what's that got to do with italy and italy's a shitty enough country like you know sorry italian okay, listeners like that either yeah Sorry, I'm not, Italian I'm not signing off on that. No, I like Italy. I, I've been there on holiday a few times. I like it I'm a lot. I'm trying to get back in the Schengen zone. But don't. But it is a silly place. Don't tell me it's not a silly place. It's a bit silly. Hey, they've got their own way of doing things. Yes, which is a bit silly. Very proud. Very proud people. Yes, indeed. Yeah. It's it's odd because everybody thinks like of like the Swiss as silly people, but I bet they're very serious. I think they are. In my experience, yes. Have you been to Switzerland? Mm-hmm. I went to Zurich not that long ago. Oh, that's right, a to a film festival. That's right. Remember that? I went to see a film that was entirely in Norwegian. Yes, and you got about what a stand-up it was about. comedian with cancer. I think so. Yeah, he had cancer, and, and uh, he died. Spoilers for a film that I don't know the name of. Did you find? Uh, did you find Switzerland to be a silly place? Uh, not particularly. No. Can I mean, you Zurich think of... is very unsilly. Can you think I mean, of unless any you find banking silly that you think are silly? Uh. I'm not going to get. I'm not going to just tar p- huge places and groups of people with the silly brush as much as I want to. I think Terrassa in Catalonia is silly. Fair play. I'm going to have to take your word for it, as I've been there once, and that was enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Silly place. Anyway, on your setup, laptop, monitor, mm-hmm. PS5. You brought your PS5. That's pretty cool. What have you been watching this week? Well, I have. We watched the same things. Well, I watched a couple of a couple of uh, bonus things. Which have uh, you been cheating? Well, no, no, no. Well, it's not cheating. I'm still is keeping it? up with. Uh, I'm still keeping up with the Last of Us, but I'm going to wait to talk about that when I get to the end. Yeah, I haven't so seen the latest that, episode uh, yet, but I did really well, enjoy the first two. Yeah, the third one is a big one for non-game players who I think they're probably really sold on it because it's a lovely sort of uh, a nice gay relationship develops. 
Uh, I mean, it's like true I've to the that. game, but they 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 make a lot of changes in terms of what the, actually happens. They make the guy gay. No, he was gay in the he was gay in the game. Was he gay in the game? Mm-hmm. I've heard people saying he wasn't gay in the game. Then they're idiots because they never played the game or they didn't read anything. They just kept clicking past everything, going yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me shoot the zombies. Ah, uh, okay, fair enough. It's been a long time since I played the game, so I can't remember. But I do remember get, the the the, bar, the part where you get into their compound. I know which where we're we're headed to yeah. next. Bill's time, mm-hmm. indeed. So yeah, I watched. Uh, Why? Well, we because we're going to talk about Oscar nominations in a second. So mm-hmm. to catch up with that, I decided to watch two of the Best Picture nominees, and those are uh, Todd Fields' Tar. Yes. And uh, some German guys, all quiet on the Western Front. <laughs> uh, yeah, can you believe they've, they've made Hans all, quiet on, the Western all Front quiet on the Western Front twice with American actors? That's pretty, come on, boys. But anyway. Yeah, so now we've got the German version. And what, what were your bonus features? You could start with them first, maybe. Okay, so I've, I've only got uh, one episode left to watch of the final series of Happy Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, no spoilers, w- please. We'll give no spoilers. Uh, it, I think something. I think some of this is because I have a kid now, so we, I've been falling asleep halfway through episodes and have to catch up on them. So I haven't been able to get the same sense of propulsion from it as when I watched season one, and I rewatched season one quite recently. But um, yeah, it's more of the same. It's very good. She she very much anchors it. She's just excellent, Sarah Lancashire. It's just great having a character that's kind of smarter than everybody else and a bit bewildered, like oh, these fucking morons, you know. Every series has a Steve Pemberton character like it. So in the first one, Steve Pemberton is a kind of a William H. Macy from Fargo, just desperate and disgusting, and he's going to make some mistakes and get caught, and a lot of people get hurt along the way. That's pretty much... That drives both series two and three. I really, really highly recommend it to anybody who hasn't gotten into this. I must check out more of what um, Sally Wainwright has done, because she's clearly... I mean, she's a really good writer. And I, sh- I should just say, yeah, it's <laughs> it's a cop show set in the north of England where uh, a woman's daughter lost her life years ago and a lot of it is to do with them sort of coming to terms with that in terms of, I don't know, growing past it emotionally. But then the guy who did it keeps just coming back and being a dick, so they have to deal with him too. If you're in the UK right now, I think that it's a show that everyone's talking about. I've seen it in newspaper articles, etc., etc. It's oh, really? been bigged up, yeah. So it's not just like a little under the radar thing there. I think it's pretty massive. Oh, that's Plus, this good. is the end. This is the there three seasons and then that's it. As yeah, far yeah. More. But it like it's. I mean, unless I'm Sally Wayne wrong, it's just like it's one of those characters that's so well developed, and the series is is in a sense formulaic. So you can tell when there's going to be confrontations. You're like. You know, it's very like the line in Last of the Mohicans. One day soon, you and I are going to have a very serious disagreement. It's like you can just tell that, ah, at some point, Sarah Lancashire is just going to chew this fucker out and it's going to be mm. magnificent. So, yeah, I'm enjoying I assume that. That's lot. the last. Is that what the last episode's going to be? Surely she's going to, like, gun him down or something. I don't know. I honestly. Th- okay, okay. I yeah, don't no, know no, where no, it's don't, going. Don't even want. Yeah, yeah, you to don't. It's good. Consider it because I need to watch it. It's very good, and the other uh, two um, outside, play, the other two outfields I have. Sorry, I'm sick, so my metaphors are getting all fucked up. So um, I watched season three of David Simon's The Deuce, which is. I feel like you're always watching The Deuce. I'm not. I just you finally I, finished it now. Yes, I finished it. Okay. So I enjoyed the first season so much. I put off the second season for a while. The same happened with the second season, and now I'm done with it. I think it's. I don't know. It's really, really something that show. I, it's it's really a partner piece with um, a companion piece rather with uh, the wire. Just about that whole notion of the 
gradual devaluing of human life in a certain sense it's like i don't know and the commodification of flesh and but then besides all that obviously like those themes are there and they're big so this is set around new york in times square in the 70s and 80s so around the time where it was at its worst crime wise up until it started to get cleaned up with some big real estate developments and it's just a really really interesting show that nobody would but david simon would have would have thought to made of obviously it's been heavily researched i've heard interviews with him talking about the kind of research he did and it like yeah it's just it's it's fascinating, especially considering where you know the world is with porno and shit like that today. This is this was kind of the epicenter of it. Um, you know, people glamorized pimps, and they did look like they looked, but they were also terrifying people. James Franco plays twin brothers in it. Maggie Gyllenhaal plays a, a hooker star turned porn star turned director. So it's all very, very good. I really highly recommend this show to anybody who enjoys David Simon stuff. I would say it's the second best thing he's done, and I, I like a lot of the things he's done. Yeah, I will watch that eventually. I've got a bunch of David Simon things ready to go. I still I need to watch Plot Against America and Show Me a Hero. Show Me a Hero and We Own the City. Show Me a Hero would be set would be just behind the Deuce for me. I thought that was really really mm-hmm. excellent. Um, but yeah, I would put the Deuce right there. You got to watch that. Um, and I also rewatched Aliens because I was feeling miserable yesterday. And uh, yeah, James. Well, Cameron, I can't. I can't watch Game Changer. News. Oh, are you going to talk about aliens a bit? No, not not really. I've okay. People have seen aliens enough. Go on. I was going to say I can't watch the Deuce because it's got James Franco in it, and I'm sorry, but I can't watch anything with an artist in it who I don't agree with. I don't agree with his morals because of his shortcomings. Well, but actually, maybe that can lead us into talking about. Oh right, yeah, the canceling tar. movie. Tar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tar. Tar. Okay, so where are you with the Todd Fields' filmography? Have you seen much? I've only I have seen... not seen. Well, I mean, isn't this just his third film? Yes, exactly. He's so good at filmmaking, they don't let him do it very often. I mean, he had a ton of things that didn't go. Yeah, yeah, I know. And very much a Lynn, Ram- Lynn Ramsey kind of story. Yeah. I haven't seen Little Children. I have Neither seen have I. In the Bedroom. As have I. My take on Top Field is always he was like, uh, he was in Eyes Wide Shut. He was Nick Nightingale, this CD piano player Yeah, guy. that's right, yeah. And he was hanging around watching Kubrick going like, hmm, hmm, what is this man doing? and uh, sort of absorbing some of Stanley Kubrick's ideas. And then eventually, I think he made a short film, which was really well-received, and people said, like, hey, you're actually good at this. Like, maybe you should consider doing this full-time. And then he went on to make In the Bedroom. I mean, he made In the Bedroom really, really soon after Eyes Wide Shut. I mean, it came out, like, 2001 or something, so it's only, like, a couple of years after Eyes Wide Shut. And that got all, mm-hmm. the, um, all the Oscar nods, didn't it? it was, mm. I don't think it won much, but... Um... I feel like, um, did it win acting awards for uh, uh, old, or what's his chops, the English dude? Tom Wilkinson? Tom, did Tom Wilkinson win no, an he Oscar? Got, he, got, he, he, got he just nominated. got the nom. He got the big nom nom. He got the nom, yeah. No, it didn't win anything. I see it here. Who's the lady? It got, Is it uh, Sally got a Field? lot of nominations. Five nominations, and they were big nominations. Marissa Tomei. Marissa Tomei, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's a very sort of complex emotional drama of... Uh, parents who lose their adult son and then decide to take revenge i mean it's pretty messed up and little children i've read through the plot synopsis of that it sounds horrific yeah jackie or jackie or haley uh doing some i mean he's like a sex offender yeah rorschach exactly gets released from prison and uh yeah it doesn't it doesn't sound like a fun time for anyone involved oh the poster even looks very important and yeah, and then Todd Fields had a bunch of stuff that just couldn't get made, fell apart. 
and finally managed to to get this film made tar featuring well starring Kate Blanchett who he worked with on Eyes Wide Shut I don't know if they actually would have met she just did a voice for one of the masked ladies in Eyes Wide Shut I was gonna ask yeah yeah but I did think watching this film last week I believe it was last week you talked about that Irish comedian's poem no he's <laughs> an when Australian I was, what, comedian Australian uh, yeah. when I was what was his name James McGann. It's very funny. James McGann. He hasn't actually got that many followers on um, Instagram. Oh, well, so let's, he, let's bump it up. Let's get yeah, James, yeah. McGann, James McGann to get him some followers on Instagram because I did feel watching Kate Blanchett, I was like, oh my God, she's really, really, she's acting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's really, really is a lady who can say words well. Yeah. The most interesting part of this film, no, like it's a good movie. I wasn't bored. I'll let's, say that. let's give the, the, the absolute basic synopsis for this. There's this ego EGOT-winning conductor called Lydia Tarr, and over a, a series of events, she ends up basically getting cancelled. And we see her, like a part of her day-to-day life, and then we see her life essentially falling apart over a period of time while she has some weird kind of dreams and hallucinations and doesn't have a good time overall. Yeah, she's a sexual predator also. She yeah. is. Um, and they, so, I mean, I suppose the thing that they're going, the pitch might be, we're one a cynic. Um, so what about we do Me Too with a lady? They've done a, a lady Ghostbusters on a Me Too story. No, that's harsh. But you know what I mean? I, I said being cynical. I'm not cynical. I actually think it's an interesting way to get into the story and the idea of power dynamics. Plus, the classical music world is famously rife with this kind of shit. I've heard someone say, I, I, one take I saw online that I quite liked was... It's a film about Me Too, but it's not from the point of view of the victim. Because normally you see it from, like, yeah, yeah. you know, the victim going like, oh, my God. But this is, like, the abuser. And you only, you don't see, you don't the see abuse. the worst of them. It's, it's completely sort of, it skips past all that. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you, you see the way that they filter it. Like, she thinks she's a victim all the time. There's a point in the film where she falls and smashes her face. And yeah. then she tells all her colleagues, she was like, yeah, someone roughed me up, like... Because she's constantly sort of playing on that. Yeah. Did you like it? I did. I don't think it's... I mean, I've I've gone back through and I, I've read a lot of things of people saying like, oh, there's all this kind of symbolism, all these, you know, like this is a student of Kubrick, uh, et cetera, et cetera. There's all the... There's, there, there are things... If you're into classical music or you understand this world, there are things that you'll get from it. But like, ultimately, I enjoyed it. I don't think it's at that level. I don't think it's no, like the, it's the greatest not. thing ever. There were three scenes that I really, really enjoyed. I enjoy, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of, it, the sort of culture wars elements of it, I was not looking forward to. I was like, oh God. But I did enjoy her scene where she takes down this like Juilliard. Yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> that was really good. Just because it's funny. It's one take as well. Yeah. I just found it quite funny. The other two scenes I really enjoyed were the one where she warns the child, to the, the girl at school, to stop bullying her, her daughter. Yeah. And then the one at the end, near towards the end, where she's like the the people in the opposite flat are trying to sell it, and they're like, "Hey, we just we just want to know your timetable so that you're not playing your music." And then she writes a song and starts singing it, playing like off key of going like flat for sale. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really, it really made me laugh. Yeah, he's definitely you know I suppose doing a Kubrick impression, but I mean he's his own man. A B. I don't think Kubrick ever made films that seemed as aimless as this in a way. Mm. If you get me. Um, like, the, like aimless is the wrong word. I mean, it, I know it, what you mean. It unfolds very organically. Let's say it doesn't pack a punch particularly. No, me. it doesn't. There's um, nothing about it where I was like, ooh. Like, 
and I do think it it is the essence of one of those ladies who can read good performances. I think there were mm. like I mean I think there was good acting in it, um, but I think it was mostly people reacting to Kate Blanchett. To be honest, mm. yeah, I don't know. I I I suppose I went. I was a bit trepidatious going into this, and it didn't blow me away in the end. So fuck it. Who's she what up about, against? Oh, who's she up against? Well, we'll come. We'll do, let's talk about the other. Yeah, film we'll do the we'll nods after. To, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the other film we both watched, All Quiet on the Western Front, the Netflix adaptation that came out late last year. Yeah, I have no familiarity with this story. I I've read the book. Not seen any other version of it. I know that there's a there's a slight. Uh, spoilers for All Quiet on the Western Front, but I know that the ending is different. I mean, he dies, but I think in a much more, not in a kind of like getting stabbed and then going out to the sunlight type way. I think it's, is it not just more of like a, and then he was killed on a yeah, quiet yeah, yeah. day. He dies on a very blah, quiet blah, blah. day. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. And that, that's right. what gives them a book its title because the it, it's, I think it's the last line in the book, actually. They get, like um, The reports for the day read that it, it's all quiet, yeah, on, it's the all quiet on the Western Front. And the other major change, I think, was like in the book, he goes back home and interacts with people and yeah. has that sort of sense of like, you know, you guys have got no fucking clue what's going on yeah. on the Western Front. Which I think was it's a not good all mo- quiet was a good move that they did that. I don't know, do you know much about the the First World War and um like what a meat grinder it was and why it, it was bad. Why it was such a meat grinder? I think that like I particularly mean, that's something they cover at the end of the film. They say like they gained something like 20 meters or something in 4 years. I think the be- I think the um the part that that, that uh, brings that across the best is actually in the opening like let's say 20 minutes with the first battle and then you see the clothes going back yeah, to the factory being recycled and, that's a great sequence yeah um i overall i think this is uh, like i i know so much about i've read like a bunch about world war 1 basically i know a lot about it um and i think that what i find very interesting about the world war 1 is there is present in this film Mm. Um, I think they do well to not uh, have him go back home because I think I don't know. It's like these guys are living on a different planet. By the end of it, mm. they look they look hard, like they look hardened. All the actors in it by the end of the by yeah, halfway through, it starts off with just boys who are, you know it's that typical thing where they're like, yes, yes, we're going War! to war, <laughs> and then you know, yeah, obviously they get they see the reality of it and they're like, fuck this yeah yeah indeed. but I, there's the one sequence that sold the film for me is i mean it's pretty it's textbook but the tanks when the tanks appear mm. fucking terrifying yeah, it's yeah. one of the most horrifying and terrifying things i've ever seen yeah absolutely brutal it reminded me of um i read a, a Tolkien biography and uh, J.W. like the author of lord of the rings he was there when the first tanks appeared in world war one and like it just like it, it informed an awful lot of what uh, you see in like mm. Mordor and stuff in Lord of the Rings because he like because even though the tanks were on their side, everyone was just terrified. You imagine nobody had seen anything like that. So like Sauron is German. Yeah, totally. Did you mm. not know that? <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I think in a way this is a superior film to um, nineteen seventeen. Nineteen seventeen. I yeah, thought yeah. so too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think nineteen seventeen. Like the first time I saw that on a on phenomena in Barcelona, I was like, I mean, it's see that on the right size screen, it'll stay with you. You know, mm-hmm. I've watched it once since, and there's. Mm. Do you know what? There's an annoying element of to in 1917 is just the fact that they keep meet, meeting famous British actors. It's kind of it's it's annoying, like readers as well, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, they're all fucking readers. Oh, by the way, the guy's name is James uh, For, uh, James Forb, 
James Donald Forbes McGann, for anybody who's looking out there. And he does, he writes, uh, he put up one new poem today. It's quite short. I'm going to read it out for you. Only a year ago, Kanye was at the Super Bowl, wearing a mask and getting booed. I think it was about Pete Davidson. I wonder if Kanye will go to the Super Bowl this year. A year is a long time. Surely nobody remembers that Pete Davidson thing. <laughs> Lovely. Beautiful. But, um, yeah, one yeah. I, Smith. This is, I, I wish I hadn't been so sick watching this because this sort of thing is my bag, baby. L- much like you and your Swedish pe- penis and larger pump. Yeah. That's a, a, a sick reference, bro. Both of these films were two and a half hours long. That was the only challenge was like churning yeah. through them. Do you know what though? Like I'll say this for, for I'll say this for Tar. Um, it 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 really picks up near the end. Mm. Like when stuff is falling apart, it's mm-hmm. better. <laughs> it sounds sadistic, but it is. Like just when she goes home and uh, she sees her brother and stuff like that. Yeah, and it's kind of like I don't know. It's quite interesting because you kind of get the prestige. What a distance that can get you from who you actually are. And then yeah, and then I love that Todd Fields' version of her. Just career being dead is her playing music at a at a cosplay event. <laughs> yeah, it's a Monster Hunter World cosplay event. <laughs> I thought that looked all right. She's in the Philippines. Spoilers for Tar here. She ends up. Uh, she ends up just doing this. Yeah, like cosplay event, but it looked fine. Yeah, and it's, it's very clever when she goes to pick out a hoor and they're all set it's, up it's, like it's like an orchestra. Yeah, and it, she chooses the same position as well as yeah. the uh, cellist. Respect. Yeah. Number five. And the number five apparently has some meaning. I don't know. That is probably the best psychological insight, I think, to a character like that is despite everything that's happening around her at the time, she takes the Russian one on the trip with her, which mm. is just like just such a dumb move. Yeah. And she's being used by her as well. Yeah. Which is impressive. Hell yeah. Fair play, Russian Good lady. Good honor. Good honor. Indeed. Yeah. So what are the nods like? I can't, I can't well, remember them off look. the top of my head. No, we're going to, let's have a look through them in, uh, in, mind-numbing detail okay okay so the 95th academy awards is going to be held on march the 12th who's hosting hosting old jimmy kimmels jimmy kimmels yeah jimmy kimmels is doing it uh-huh right good for him very good but it's being produced by glenn weiss and ricky kirshner thank god who are they i don't know the guy oscar guys all right here we go best picture 10 nominees which again is far too many silly can we start with that can we bring it back down to very five silly. or i like when they just did nine Remember when they, like, who did they, they gave, it was like a fuck you one year to something and going like, ah, we're just going to do nine. Even yeah, that was the year that like, um, the South African film got nominated, District Nine. Oh, that's a long time ago now. So Best Picture nominees are All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inisherin, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fableman's Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Woman Talking. I've seen a surprising amount of these. I've seen... Uh... Five. All but two, I think. No, oh, you no. Oh, because you haven't seen. Oh no, the wait, seen, you know? you know, wait. So I've seen. Oh yeah, I've seen most of them actually. I've seen. You've all, seen most of them. I've seen. I just Quiet, haven't. Avatar. I haven't seen Women Talking, Maybe, and I yeah. haven't seen Elvis. Yeah, <laughs> so I've we, seen eight we, out of ten. We seem to know quite well what the other is watching, um, or has watched. Yeah, yeah. So okay. if you just haven't seen Fablemans, is that the other one? Uh, so no, I haven't seen Women Talking either. Uh, no, no, but I mean, so you've seen seven of them. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so Fablemans, as I've said before, I really didn't like. And thinking about it more and more, I, I'm, I'm almost even worse on it. The, the more time that passes, the more it pisses me off. I shared an article with you 
of some guy who went to school with Steven Spielberg basically going like, yeah, this is horse shit. Yeah, which I like. It's such it's such like an idealized of he's like, I'm 70 years old or whatever now. I'm going to rewrite my childhood. To make and then it I was like cool. I was a winner. <laughs> yeah. And then I was super cool. And then, and then everyone clapped. Yeah, it's that really pissed me off more and more. But that won the, uh, the best drama Golden Globe. So, you know. Yeah, uh, it's up there. It's it's got a chance, which was worrying. Woman talking. I will eventually watch Elvis. I just I can't bring myself to. I've seen the first twenty minutes of it. It's I know it's very long as well. It's just I'm not into it. I'm very much not into Tom Hanks as uh, what's his chops. He's awful. Mm. Uh, The Colonel or whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think there's two questions here. What do you think will win? What do you want to win? Or the other way around. What do you want to win and what do you think will win? Want, will, and should, we'll put it. I suppose, I honestly would want, I'm being honest here, I would want uh, Avatar The Way of Water to win. Just because, no, 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 bear with me, bear with me. (laughs) Okay. I just, I just like fucking, like, okay, so you've got Steven Spielberg making his pat on the back, The Fablemans, for the Hollywood elite, which is why it's nominated. He's like, oh, you made a film about your life and you're so brilliant. You deserve it, Steven. In the meantime, like Avatar, like James Cameron has just been on the other side of the world, cooking up ideas out of his own head and crushing all other IPs that other people came up to. And I like that. And I, I like, so I would like to see that because I think people, I think it would really upset people. Uh, and that's what I'm after. That's what you want to do. That's fair. I would go Banshees of Sharon. That should win. That's the best film on the list that I've seen. I just think that, to me, is the most enjoyable. That's the one that I want to rewatch straight away. And I, I thought it was excellent all across the board. I thought it was, you know, like beautiful scenery, very funny, amazing interactions between the characters, great performances. And then that terrible, terrible sadness that underpins everything, which where you, why you've got people from, like, mainly from the US going like, how is this a comedy? <laughs> which, which i enjoy no end of them going like this is one of the most depressing things i've ever seen how is it a comedy i didn't actually mention it to you i rewatched it with um belen and yeah it's uh <laughs> that same line made me laugh again so much this time it's like but he's a thinker column i'm a thinker <laughs> hey, you're not column <laughs> hey, you're not so that's your shoot that's your should. I guess I would say, I think my should is what I think will win. I th- I'll go everything, everywhere, all at once will win. Do you think? Uh, yeah, I've got faith. I believe in it. Uh, yeah, my should win would be the ba- would be um, the Banshees. I just think it's the, I, I, I think it's fantastically shot as well. And I, 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 I don't know. I just, I think he's made everybody look bad <laughs> with how good that film is. What do you think will win? I think the Fablemans will win. God, I really hope not. Is it? But why? I just think, is that like a, hey, Stephen, yep. you're, getting, you're getting old. This is about his respect towards your life story. As I said at the time, like so, he thinks his life story and someone told him his life story was interesting. Uh, I just disagree. I like these <laughs> aspects of his life. I'm, just, I'm sorry. Like, I just don't agree. Yeah, the, his co-writer told him it was interesting. Yeah, right? it was uh, Tony Kushner, who's one of the producers as well. I think it was, I seem to remember it was when they were working together on the remake of West Side Story. And Tony Kushner said, like, you need to tell that. You're, you need to tell your story, Stephen Esteban. I'll never watch the remake of West Side Story. Yeah, I'm good without seeing Ansel Elgort dancing around. Uh, okay, best director. I have seen all five of these. So for once, I can actually comment uh, <laughs> and give a full opinion on this. 
I think this is a le- this is a more difficult one to be uh, sort of cynical about because I do think a lot of the time the person who's directed movies the best comes away with it, or at least there is merit involved in it. For this reason, well, I don't know, but I think the I think the man who deserves best director will be Ruben Osland, personally. I would have to give it to the Daniels, just because of how complex everything, everywhere, all at once is. Yeah, and actually the the money they made it on as well is. I remember being very impressed by that. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. I just remember that long sequence on as the boat in the storm in Triangle of Sadness. It was great. That's true. That is true. Incredibly well put together. I wouldn't mind any of these except Spielberg. Yeah. That's the only one that'll piss me off. I would like Steven Spielberg to win and then um, James Cameron to take the stage and go, I'm going to let you finish, Steven. But uh, Daniel and Daniel had one of the greatest films of all time. If Steven Spielberg uh, wins, I hope that Todd Field runs up on stage and pushes him off the podium. Yes. <laughs> That's so pretty funny tar, when she does that, isn't it? reference, yeah. And that, I thought that was quite funny. As she gets removed by security. Uh, yes, okay. So next Best up. actor. Yes. Austin Butler for Old Elvis. Austin Butler's, yeah. Colin Farrell for The Banshees of Inisherin. Brandon Fraser for The Whale, Paul Mescal for Aftersun, Bill Nye for Living. Oh, I don't think I said who the nominees were for Best Director because we're both looking at it, so I didn't <laughs> read them aloud. For Best Director was Martin McDonough for The Banshees of Inisherin, The Daniels for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar, and Ruben Ostlund for Triangle of Sadness. But yeah, back to Best Actor, Austin Butler for Elvis as Elvis Presley, Colin Farrell, Banshees of Inisherin as Patrick Sullivan. Brendan Fraser in The Whale as a fat guy called Charlie. Paul Mescal from After Sun as Callum Patterson. And Bill Nye from Living, which is the remake of Ikiru. Oh, really? Mr. Rodney, yeah, as Mr. Rodney Williams. I've heard that's very good. Yeah, I heard this Living is supposed to be okay, but part of me is going like, why don't I just watch the original Japanese Kurosawa film? You put that for a toss many, uh, many moons ago. Yes. Like two years ago or something. Let's probably do we'll another to bring toss. bring that back, yeah. I'm really interested to see The Whale, uh, to be honest, because people are coming out hating it, and I think... It seems like it's a love-hate a love hate thing with that. Yeah, I'm interested I feel like I'm not it. going to like it, especially after Mother. Yeah, that's the thing, is like, I would have said, you know, Aronofsky at least always makes interesting films, but I did not think Mother was interesting. Mm. I think he's on a downward trajectory, so... Seems to be the case. Who do you think will win this? Whew. Uh... I think Austin Butler might be in with a shot with Elvis. Jesus, I hope. I feel not. like that's the kind of thing they might go for. I would choose. I mean, I'd go for the. <laughs> I'd go for either of the ones I've seen. I hope Colin Farrell or Paul Mescal win. You'd go Irish all the one way. Of the Irish boys, yeah, one of the Irish boys. You might. Hell yeah, I'd go with one of the Irish boys as well. I'd probably. I'd like to give it to Colin Farrell because I do. I, I. I. He deserves an Oscar at this point. He's such an excellent actor. Like he's he's an mm, absolutely yeah. brilliant actor in everything. He's. He's one of those ones that if he arrives in a scene, I'm go okay, right. This at least this will be interesting. He went through a real tough period for a while where he was taking on dog shit projects. So it's amazing that he did eventually sort of claw his way back from like about the sort of late. Do you know what 2000s. he? Do you know what he attributes that to? Quitting drinking, probably. Well, yeah. So he says when he first arrived in Hollywood, he would just be partying like a lunatic, and he'd be at people's houses, and they'd be like, "Hey, do this movie," and then he'd be like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, all right, I'll do that." And he says that, like, he says, like, there's a but, like, if you look at early on in his career, you can spot the films that, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he was not in fact interested in. Yeah. Okay. Best actress, we've got Kate Blanchett as Lydia Tarr in Tarr, Anna de Armas from Blonde as Marilyn Monroe, Andrea Riseborough as Leslie from To Leslie, 
Michelle Williams as uh, Steven Spielberg's mummy in The Fablemans, and Michelle Yeoh as Evelyn Kwan from Every- Everything Everywhere All at Once. I think Michelle Yeoh will win this. I hope so, too. I wouldn't mind seeing um, Andrea Risebury win it, because I, j- I haven't seen the just film. Just to piss everyone off. But I think she's a great actress. Yeah, j- and just to piss everybody off. Did you hear about that shit? Yeah, so that was a, what her, a bunch of uh, nomination was controversial because she would had there was a big she's white. Camp, campaign behind it and it stopped. Uh, uh, yes, yeah, actresses, some non-white actresses missed out on nominations, and uh, I think the argument was I mean, this to Leslie. I don't know if anyone's watched it. I haven't watched it. I just like I Andrea Riseborough. So she got in on that, but I heard that the, the other ladies had big campaigns too. I don't know. I. Uh, I'll go Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, I'd say she'll win. I hope uh, that uh, Blonde is not a good film. So I have not watched it, yeah, and I do not want to. Okay, Best Supporting Actor. We've got Brendan Gleeson as Colm Doherty from uh, Banshees of Inisherin. We've got Brian Tyree Henry from Causeway as James O'Connor. Judd Hirsch, uh, he's in The Fablemans for about three minutes. Hmm. Barry Keown is Dominic from Banshees of Inisherin, and Kei Kwan from uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once is Waymond Wong. Uh, oof. Oof. You've got two Banshees up against each other. No, well, from Banshees, I'd give it to Barry Keown. I prefer Barry Keown just because he was, I mean, he's so funny. He's very funny in that movie, yeah. Very, very funny character. Um, I just, I just hope it doesn't go to Judd Hirsch because his character in the Fablemans is like a big, over the top. Well, he's, you, a, he's the uncle. Do you think it could be like um, what's his chops, uh, Paul Newman winning for Color of Money or something like that? Maybe Hirsch is getting towards the end of his life, certainly. So if they, if, uh, if Fableman sweeps, then yeah, there's a chance. I think that would be a big mistake. Maybe the two Banshees might end up splitting some of the vote. Hopefully it'll go to Kei Kwan. That'd be good. Yeah, as women Wang. Seems like very, a very nice man. Very charming. He's very good. Yeah, He's very oh charming. Oh my God, he made me cry so much last year. Nothing to do with any films. This no, is just a no, personal, no. interpersonal relationship. In the, in the street. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he's a dick. He lives around the corner from me in Barcelona. Okay, best supporting actress. We have got uh, Angela Bassett. From Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. I'm mad that that's got Oscar it's nominations. Funny that she that was very good. But she was, She's probably the best thing in the movie, but there's just no way it's going to win. Hong Chow from The Whale, playing Liz. Kerry Condon as Siobhan Sullivan from Banshees of Inisherin. Jamie Lee Curtis as Deirdre Bobeirdre. <laughs> I forgot that was her name. From Everything Ever All at Once. And then Stephanie Su, uh, who played Jobu Tabaki in Everything Ever All at Once. That's pretty. There's some. There's some solid performances. Yeah, in there. the three that I've seen. Well, no, the four that I've seen. Four you've seen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's got to be Carrie Condon. Carrie Condon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carrie Condon. She was great. So she funny. Was. She really made me laugh a lot. With like that'll be fucking right or whatever she says to yeah. Colin Farrell. Uh, well, my favorite parts of her performance was when she's dressing down uh, Brendan Gleeson. Mm. Like you live on a fucking island. <laughs> <laughs> She has a few people she gives it to. She gives it to uh, the... The cop as well, probably. Policeman guy, yeah, Barry Keown's dad. Who molests his son. Yeah, how is that a comedy? <laughs> Jesus yeah, Christ. Yeah, everything, everywhere, all at once. Either of those two would be fine. Gee, Even I, Angela Bassett I could go, and I haven't seen The Whale. So I'm just going to wax good. lyrical about Banshees again. Like One of the funnier lines in it like is, then you think about it later in the movie, and you're like, oh, that wasn't funny at all. It's like when he's talking about his, father, his father's horrible brown cock. That made me laugh a lot. And then you realize later in the movie, oh, his, da- his dad molests him, yeah. Okay, we'll go, we'll do, let's do this category, this one, and then this one. I don't think we need to touch that, and that's it. 
I think we're good with these three. Okay, so best original screenplay, Banshees of Inisherin, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Fableman's Tower, Triangle of Sadness. So it's the same nominees as best director. Yeah. So the best directors are all uh, screenplays and you won't written get, by the directors. You won't yeah. get you won't get both. Wow. Is the thing. Mm. It's got like the bit. It's it's Martin McDonough. No. Mm, I mean, I would like that, certainly. Everything ever all at once could be up there, though, too. It's a cracking screenplay, too, yeah. I mean, you could give it to any of these, just hopefully not Fableman's. Yeah. Well, let's go to Best Adapted, then. So Best Adapted Screenplay, we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, for some reason, Living Top Gun Maverick, which should not be have a screenplay nomination. And I, d- I disagree. I, I think you do? I think they did uh, well to make that like a... Uh, and actually an interesting story to be honest fair but i would say it was more about the visual elements than about 100 you know, tom, tom cruise jumping out of uh jumping out of a window after having a weird snuggle oh right you th- i thought you'd mix up your tom cruise films uh for a second no. there because he jumps out windows a lot in the mission franchise but yes you're right he just jumped out a window away from the lady from a beautiful mind jennifer connelly yeah okay last one well, so where we are now for best adapted, you would give it to Top Gun Maverick. I think I'd probably give it from these, the ones I've seen, All Quiet on the Western Front, but I imagine it might go to Women Talking. Yeah. Yeah, but I'd give it to Top Gun. Fuck it. Fair play. Last one, best international feature film, best foreign film. So we've got All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, which won the Golden Globe, Close from Belgium, EO from Poland, which I believe is about a donkey. Last year was a year. That's donkey, right, yeah. And then The Quiet Girl from Ireland. Yeah, it's in the Irish language. Ah, yeah, it's that one. Yeah, it's like a. So do you do you have like a responsibility to pick that film? Definitely, I would prefer All Quiet on the Western Front, but I think Argentina nineteen eighty five might end up getting it. Uh, it looks really good. Mm. It looks quite similar to the Secret in Their Eye. Yes, in that it has Ricardo Darín. Yeah, Ricardo Darín, and it's about the same time period in Argentina, the uh, military junta. Yeah, the end of the junta. Anyway, yeah. Well, that's it. All the other ones don't count. They don't mean anything. Uh, they're completely meaningless. It's a pretty good year, though, isn't it? Best original song, obviously, Hold My Hand for by Lady Gaga. Yes. Um, although, best film editing. It's got to be Top Guns, hasn't it? And Michael J. Fox is getting a humanitarian award. That's a mad thing, actually. So everywhere, everything, everywhere, all at once got 11 nominations. All Quiet on the Western Front got nine nominations. That's kind of surprising, especially for a foreign language film. Banshees have been sharing nine nominations. One nomination uh, for Best Actor was for Paul Mescal from the film After Sun. Yes, indeed. I've been looking forward to watching this. Uh, I read the Wikipedia synopsis and it almost made me cry. But I have this to report. Watching the actual movie was almost too close to reality. For I couldn't even cry at it. It devastated me so much. <laughs> I found it absolutely devastating. I watched the film before reading really anything about it. I think I might have looked through the synopsis, but quite a while ago, a few months ago, so I didn't really remember anything about it. But I enjoyed the film so much that I went out and I listened to multiple podcast episodes with the director, Charlotte Wells, and I also watched all three of her student films from when she was studying at NYU. Yes, and you've said they're um, worth watching, right? I'd say so. The first, So there are three films. Uh, the first one that she made was called Tuesday. It was in 2015. It's more autobiographical than After Sun. Right, so Charlotte Wells, uh, we, she went to the same school as me. We're best friends. We're best friends. No, but we are from the same place. Like, we were taught by the same teachers, all that kind of thing. So, like, I guess I'm sort of, like, 
predisposed to liking her work to to like a certain extent. Hmm. Like we're we're very much from the same place. But um, so her film 2015 is more. It seems more true to her own life. I think her father died when she was quite young, which is what After Sun is all about. But so her f- short film Tuesday is about. It's filmed. In, it's filmed in the school that we went to. Oh wow! Um, for part of it, but it's about her basically going round to her dad's house after school and just like touching all of his stuff and coming to terms with the fact that he's recently killed himself. Oi. I think it might be something that actually happened in her life, like going around, like he died over the weekend and she's there on Tuesday. She's told her mom, like, yeah, I'm going to just going to go around to dad's house. And her and the stepdad are like, are you okay? And then she's like, you know, like touching, like restringing his guitar and like looking, there's like a glass of orange juice that's not finished. It's, I mean, it's very, very clear. It's, uh, it's touching on similar uh, themes as After Sun. Her second film's called Lapse from 2017. It's about a sexual assault on a, on the New York subway. It's only five minutes long. It's mainly about the camera work, this one. And um, it's like someone is sexually assaulted and no one does anything. I don't know if that's something that happened to her or not. And then the last one, again, in 2017, is called Blue Christmas. It's about a debt collector that goes around houses on Christmas Day, sort of gen- generally being a shy bag, getting money off of people. And it's a, a period piece set in the 70s. And it has a similar ending to After Sun. And basically, this one was, uh, it was seen by Barry Jenkins. Of and, Moonlight uh, fame. Yeah, of Moonlight fame director Moonlight, who ended up producing sort of take, After Sun. Yeah, taking the project on with Charlotte Wells and going like, okay, we want you to make a film. What film do you want to make? And that was After Sun. After Sun has very um, long short film energy. Mm, I know exactly what you mean. In the, like, I mean, it's... Like it's an emotional journey more than anything. If what happens, it's it's very okay. So to the story, give it just a quick synopsis. We can get it done in two seconds. Is this young Scottish girl? She's about eleven, I think, just about mm-hmm. to become a woman, a young woman, you could say. Um, goes on holidays with her dad, who's played by Irish actor Paul Meskell. He's Scottish as well, though, in the film. Very good Scottish accent. Very believable. They head to uh, Portugal for like a little resort trip and Turkey. Turkey is it? Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, sorry, I'm I sorry. I like that to you, Portugal and Turkey are the same place. Interchangeable. Anyway, they head to Turkey um, and, you know, he's just got problems that a kid can't quite understand, but she does sort of understand them in a in a way. And it's sort of framed by her looking back at a video she made of the trip. And then by the end of it, when the holiday ends, amicably enough, but still with an odd distance between the two, it flashes to the present day where she's got a kid now herself and it's kind of very much implied that her father is no longer in her life. Whether or not he's dead, we don't know. The reason I found this so devastating is it really takes for a walk and examines the truth that it, you never know your parents. You, mm. know, you Like, you know your parents now that you're an adult and they're both adults, but you don't know the people who they were when you needed them most and when they were there for you. Do you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I, I found that unbelievably moving. Jeez, I might get to cry now, actually. I didn't cry during the movie. It was so upsetting for me. Because, you know, I have my daughter now, and like I was there thinking about my own parents, and I think this absolutely nails it. It's just like, like, there are just things going on for him that she can't understand, and he doesn't want her to understand them either. But he wants to be there for her in the best kind of way, and Lord knows something must happen to the guy in the meantime, and I, it doesn't look like he had a very nice life. Paul Mescal is great at playing Devastated. Have you seen him in... Uh, Normal people. Normal people. No, I really, I really recommend. I hear that. he's very good. He, he is very good. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I, did you have a similar reaction to me? 
Yeah, no, I mean, I, there's a sense of dread throughout the film. I was just constantly going like, oh my God, this is I just just a horrible sensation because you seeing someone, seeing the uh, Callum character just completely broken. He has no regard for his own personal safety all the time. He almost gets hit by a bus. He stands on the railings on the balcony. He goes uh, scuba diving, even though he doesn't know how to do it. He's just constantly, he ends up, uh, he, he, goes, he like dives into the sea late at night and there's that sense that he might drown. He's just constantly in fear. Uh, there's a scene where he's crying by himself. He spits himself in the mirror. He he clearly hates himself. He's he he's trying to keep it together. He he loves his daughter, but like you know, there's a sense that things are are very much going to end badly. And like we don't know, did he kill himself or anything? Do we? This is the thing. So the, the, here's, I mean, where do you stand on you know the the author versus you know what they actually produced? You know what they what what she meant to produce as to what the final film is. I suppose I'd be more interested in what she meant to produce. So, like, if you go and listen to, I'll post, I'll put links in the in the show notes. But I listened to a bunch of Charlotte Wells talking about it, and I think what happened with this film is they had the shooting script, and I think it was a bit more clear about certain elements, and they kept trimming and pruning it back to the extent that you can kind of apply whatever you want onto the film. And she said people have such strong visceral reactions to it, but they they come with theories that they're so certain about. But her intention is. Her idea is that uh, Callum dies. This hmm. is this holiday is the last time that Sophie ever saw Callum. The last time they see each other is um, at the airport. They've flown back to London together, and then she's flying up to Edinburgh, and that's the last time they ever saw each other. And then later on, twenty years later, um, Sophie has the rug the the hmm. uh, Callum purchased, and um, she's also she's got the uh, videotapes from the holiday. So presumably Callum is dead. That's the original intention. But I also read when I watched the film, one of the first things I did was I Googled, like, was Callum gay? <laughs> is Callum from Aftersun gay? That was one of the first things I looked for. And what do people think? They think he was gay? Well, there was a number of people saying, like, there was a number of people saying that he has that kind of interaction with the diving instructor that's very, very flirty. I saw another He's- thing like this. There was a, there was an, there's another couple of things that happened that seemed to suggest I don't know I thought so too how amicable he how, how well he gets yeah on well he gets on the, really well with the mother and they, yeah. they they say that they love each other so it seems like yeah like perhaps that was what broke up their relationship but um again uh, listening to Charlotte Wells apparently they cut a whole section of the plot where he was going to be shagging the tour guide lady. Ah, okay. So no. So again, that's just something that's been trimmed back, but trimmed back down to that element where everything is confused. Yeah, because I mean, it's ultimately from from Sophie's perspective. So, mm, which is, I think that's what they tried to go for: is to be like you're viewing it, yeah, through the lens of a child. So she's yeah. still trying to figure out the world. She's not sure. I mean, she ends up kissing kissing that boy. Well, she's way better than that boy as well. I mean, that's like she's yeah. not doing well there. That's a terrible mistake. And then by later, but you know, by her sweet. being grown up, that is very sweet. But by the time she's grown up, we can see that she's uh, she's gay. actually gay. She's gay. Mm. She's living with her partner, her female partner and child. Yeah. I don't know could I watch this again in a hurry, to be honest. I found it really, I mean, it emotionally crippled me. The only thing I didn't like uh, was the reveal that uh, Sophie was wearing a Hearts shirt. Oh, yeah. Point. I didn't like that either. 
I, when I saw that, I lost all empathy for the character. I was like, well, I don't really care what happens because I presume Callum's also a Hearts fan. Probably, yeah. So if he wades into the sea and doesn't come back, I'm, I'm not too bad with that. <laughs> Good God. As I think Rent, Renton said in the uh, book of train spotting, I'd rather see my sister in a brothel than my brother in a heart strip. Nice. And I, I can't disagree with that. It's accurate. If, and if you're listening to this and if you have no idea what I'm talking about, Sophie, and I presume Charlotte Wells, must be from the wrong side of Edinburgh and she supports Heart of Midlothian, or her family support Heart of Midlothian, and not Hibernian, the correct choice. Yes, which is odd because you're a Protestant. But not practicing. But aren't you supposed to support hearts? No. I'm from the other... We don't actually go in for all that. Sectarian jazz. That's Glasgow. Thank you, sir. Is that what you call it? Sectarian jazz? <laughs> yeah. I like... Yeah. <laughs> if you listen to the new... The, the latest sectarian jazz mix. <laughs> I mean, if I did stumble upon that as a genre section in a HMV, I would be oh, looking... Yeah. At, I'd, be, I'd be buying immediately. Clean it out. Yeah. But supposing you bought, like, you know... Catholic sectarianism instead of Protestant sectarianism, or yeah, vice versa. You have to buy, buy the right type of yeah, sectarian Yeah, exactly. Jazz. All right. Well, I'm not the most talkative, as you might have noticed this week. I am fucking dying over here. But uh, Yeah, we've said very little about it. What did you think of Frankie Cario and Paul Yeah, Masco? lead me, lead me. Uh, I think they're both excellent. I think she is... Um, she actually reminded me of a girl I know. I think uh, she's probably got a, a big future ahead of her, I would say, to be honest. Charlotte Wells said that Frankie Corio is like a kid that's been raised by TikTok and she can mimic things perfectly. So I think I wouldn't be surprised to see her. I think she's already made she's already made a f- uh, some other feature where I think it's, it's, she's like playing a character from the uh, US. So I think accent-wise, she'll be able to do whatever. She doesn't have to play Scottish. Is she Scottish? Yeah, she's from Livingston. Uh, do you know, does she actually support Hearts? I doubt it. I hope not. They held, um, they held like casting. They had like, they looked at something, you know, hundreds of kids and this was the one that was the best. Apparently like really good at acting. She could, you know, cry and then immediately switch it off and be like, okay, hey, what are we doing now? That's what you want. So yeah, she sounds like she's, uh, she's gonna, she have a great career ahead of her. And obviously like Paul Mescal's, this is his time now with the Oscar nomination. He's going to be securing some great roles, I imagine. He's yeah. only 26, which is wild. I don't think he'll, like, I can't picture him cropping up in Marvel movies or anything like that. No, but he could do a lot of these, something like After Sun all the way, and more prestige type things. I'm sure you'll, you'll see him doing some reading, maybe. <laughs> you think do I, don't think, reading? I, don't, I don't think he's a reader at all, but I just think, like... I'll, all Irish men are thankful for Irish men like Paul Mescal and uh, Colin Farrell, because they kind of trick the world into thinking that we're not just big potato men. But Mescal seems really un-Irish to me. Do you think? Farrell seems Irish. Mescal could be from anywhere to me. I think Mescal's got a big Irish head in him. You think... Maybe he's got an Irish head, but like, have you heard him speak? I couldn't place where he was from. No, Which I get all the time as well, but... But yeah, in the case of Farrell, he's got a big, thick, heavy Dublin accent. You'd know him in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Respect to all Colin Farrell's. Uh, Do you think Mescal will will win the Oscar? No. I would be... I support it. But I'd be very surprised. Yeah, it'd be nice to see it, but yeah, I don't think so either. I just don't think there's enough to it. To the role. I don't. I just. I just. Yeah. Well, maybe. I mean, I certainly enjoyed the performance, but I don't know. I don't know if there's enough there. I think they might want someone more doing a more readery performance than someone like reacting or just general because there's not a lot of dialogue in this. Maybe they're looking for something a bit more dialogue-y. 
him and Daisy Edgar Jones in Normal People are so good, it doesn't matter if they get awards or not. That's how good they are in that. Everybody shows up to work in that, and it's just an it's an incredible show. Really, really. What's our what's what's his character like in that? He plays the son of the son of a lady who cleans the house of Davy, Daisy Edgar Jones's character. So they're from different sides of the tracks, but he's like a single mother, quite a happy family situation, plays football, popular in school. Daisy Edgar Jones's character is her family's all wealthy, but you know it's just, it just it's a psychological mess up there, let's say. But she's very, very good at school, very driven, you know. And people kind of pick out at her, and she lashes back at them. She doesn't take any shit from anybody. And then they basically, because of the austere connection just between the two houses, they know each other from the mother working for the 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 other mother. They basically just start a sexual relationship when they're both quite young. I think, well, like 16, 17, something like that. And uh, it follows them on and off for like the next five or six years of their life. Mm. And it's it's so moving just because it's so real. That's what Sally Rooney's books are like, actually, as well, to be fair. I mean, I've read two of them, Normal People and Conversations with Friends. And, and she's Wayne's sister, correct? That's right, Wayne's, um, Wayne Rooney's sister, Sally. That's mm-hmm. correct, yes. I, I, I did say... <laughs> I don't believe she's waiting on Waggate. Go on. Oh no, I want to hear about that. That's what the book I'm looking forward to. Um, I I saw on the Tressless uh, subreddit, which is kind of hair replacement. I just, hey, listen, I'm just hey, I'm just looking. I'm forty-one. <laughs> I'm having a look. I'm just seeing okay. what's happening with people going to people going to Turkey, not to have holidays with their with their child, but you know, to to have some more hair put in. Uh, there was a lot of comments about Paul Mescal balding because he's 26 and his his hair he's got quite a large spam. His hairline is receding. What does spam mean? <laughs> spam head. He's got like a big forehead. <laughs> spam. That's what he used to do. He just slap people on the head and go spam on their forehead. Oh. Uh, yeah, he, he looks. He's his hair is like receding. He he plays older than he is. So I wonder if that's going to filter in. Like his hairstyle in After Sun. His hair has been styled to like make him look a bit younger. But yeah, I wonder if that's going what effect that's going to have or if he's going to have to he have to go back to Turkey by himself. Are there many actors that that have gone successfully bald? Like Robert Duvall was always bald, I feel. I f- I remember seeing Mark Strong with hair. He has hair and tar. He has hair and tar and it looks weird. It's very wiggy, yeah. It's <laughs> not it's not his real hair. What was remember, the deal with I that character? Saw Mark Strong. I don't know. That was one she of beats those... him up though. That's pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> he Mark Strong is like trying to get like he's like hanging around her, going like, I want to become a conductor too. Yeah, yeah. And he's and then he does really become rich. a conductor at the end. It's like, what the fuck? I don't get it. Anyway. He has a private plane or something. Well, good for Mark Strong. Indeed, yeah. We're not here to His talk about that. character was called Mark Strong. Yeah, I don't know. I, the other thing I w- was going to say about After Sun is um, Charlotte Wells said, because like this is such a personal thing to her, obviously, she's dealing with the loss of her dad it's still now. And she said she reckons she's going to be making the same film for the rest of her life. So like it's constantly, it's going to be, there's like a driving force throughout who she is. It's like a huge part of who she is. It actually goes back to Tar a little bit because it Go made on. me think about like, they do this they have that they're playing with the culture warsy thing where they've got the young kid who's like i'm pangender i'm a pan as a pangender bipoc i don't want to i don't want to play bach and someone say and and tar being like yeah i mean he's one of the greats blah 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 blah. and it's just the separation of art from the artist yeah when it comes back when it comes back to charlotte wells i don't think you can separate her art from her because it's such a huge part of who she is 
I think like, okay, she's received some damage throughout her life. It hasn't turned her into like an evil manipulative shitbag, as far as I can tell. Ding, ding, ding. But like, I just, like, do you completely separate art from artist? Yeah, I can separate the art from the artist, no problem, to be honest. Like, I still watch reruns of Jim will fix it for you, you know? Um, no, 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 no. No, but it doesn't, uh, what can I say? Uh, I don't know, it just doesn't bother me in that way. Um, I don't get grossed out by it. I actually think that a lot of people are uh, kind of uh, virtue signaling and lying when they say they, because like, look at it, it just matters. The only thing is how famous you are. That's it. There's a, like, I'm sure I'm copying this from some movie or other, but who cares? I'll just say this, like, there's very little gray area as to whether Michael Jackson was a homosexual pedophile, right? But Billie Jean's still flaking it out at the wedding. So I don't, like, I, and just because he's so big that they can't ignore it, like, I think it's horseshit most of the time when people get hung up on stuff like that. Like, for real. Yeah, but the way you're talking about uh, separating art from artist in terms of Cheryl Wells is a different thing because it's. Like- I know, I know, I know. It just it it came to mind because I was thinking about it during Tar. I obviously for Charlotte Wells, I'm not. I'm just saying like her experiences are so connected to her art. Again, I'm not suggesting there's anything about her that should be cancelled or anything. She's not done anything bad, but. I mean, I wasn't suggesting that, but I mean, it's like like uh, for example, Ernest Hemingway. Ernest Hemingway is inexorably tied to the first half of the 20th century and he was a big traveling man and it's like that's the the prison that's how we see him now he was a horrible man um but ultimately at the end of it it's just his art as far as i can see you know what i mean i don't really care much about any of the other stuff personally i feel like there are people that won't watch the juice because of franco really i think so well that sucks i think that might have had like a negative effect on it I don't know. I don't know. There's uh, Yeah. I mean, do you have you ever met anybody who honestly is that way inclined? At least performatively. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I, I mean. I, I, it is a performance. Yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows what happens behind closed doors? Who knows when people are left alone with their media? Now, I'm going to use a lot of vagueness here and no names, but you and I know of uh, at least two people who would have vocally disapproved of a very famous person. Yes. Ver- very vocally disapproved. And when that famous person was in their locale, they did everything they could to get near said famous person and sit yeah. down in the same room as said famous person. Yeah. That's performative. This, this, this guy's name was Louis something. Oh, no, no, wait, let me change that. Something CK. Something CK, yes, exactly. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I Like you said, I do think it's performative. I think, and like, I think maybe if there is somebody out there who got his... Willie fondled by Kevin Spacey on numerous occasions when he was working as a porter in a hotel when he was a teenager. Maybe he has a hard time watching The Usual Suspects. And I don't blame him. Maybe he doesn't like Superman Returns. God bless. Maybe he doesn't like The Usual Suspects because he just he feels like it's like it it's from nineteen ninety five and it, it just <laughs> <laughs> he's like, This just doesn't hold up anymore. I don't like the filmmaking. Seeing as we were talking about uh, new movies today, and I'll have to wind down soon. I'll, I'll just, I was just yeah. talking with um, Belen the other day, and I like one one of the people I work with regularly now at the moment uh, on projects is twenty two years old, and um, as they're thinking, is like I think to myself, "Oh, I'm cool. I like old movies like The French Connection," and she thinks, "No, no, you like old movies like The Usual Suspects. Those oh, are <laughs> those are old movies. It's no country for old men." Is an old movie. <laughs> it's even worse. Yeah, I know. Maybe our branding isn't relevant. We need to change that. Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Make yeah, it even that. older. Yes, indeed. Make it from the 1930s. 
yes. triumph of the will. The triumph of the will. Yes. Oh, yeah. okay, what, how have I never? How have I, back. how have I not watched your favorite film in the world ever? Yeah. I mean, I really, we really need to get that tossed up. Speaking of tossed Absolutely. up, next week we're watching what's the double bill again? The Samurai and a Prophet. Ooh, yes. Look, uh, like French films, boring, pretentious French films. Don't know what the next new one will be. Do you? No, I don't. Uh, I don't think I can make it to a cinema to watch Ant Man and the Wasp: Quadrophenia. So. Look, we're just going to miss it, and then we're not going to be involved with Marvel anymore. That's what's what if it's happen. good though? It's, it's Peyton Reed. It's going to be good. How can Peyton Reed make a bad film? He made The Breakup, starring Vince Vaughn and Jennifer Aniston. I know he made The Breakup, and also <laughs> that served that got those two together in a nice relationship for a while. I know. All right, that's enough from this big six sausage. Andy, you've done very well to hold down the fort. Thank you very Thank you. much. I love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye.